Hi, everybody. This is Nancy Miller from My Creative Life, the podcast about creatives, how and why they make the work that they do. Today, my special guest is Michael Allen, who is a sequential artist and the writer and the artist for his own comic, Melon Cat and Beat City Riot. Hi, Michael. How's it going? Good. How's it going with you? Great. Thank you so much for being a guest. And of course. It was kind of a serendipity that I ran into you again at, um, at the art supply store. And I'm so glad you, you know, you offered some great advice about what pens I should pick out and they work great. So thank oh, you. Oh, great. Awesome. Yeah. So I really appreciate it. And for those who are listening, I actually had a class with Michael um, in animation for yes. drawing in motion. And that yes. was a while ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. God, was that was that in 2021? Or is that? It might, might have been. been. Everything's just like a blur. <laughs> Honestly, I think it might have been the beginning of 2021. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Thank you. And then for the audience who's listening, can you tell us a little bit about what got you interested in becoming an artist? Yeah. Um. So I, it's like this kind of silly, goofy story, but um, way back, I think it was like in the third grade, so I probably would have been like nine, ten years old, I think. Um, my friends were telling me about their cousin, who seemed, sounded really, really cool. And his cousins, their cousin started a, um, a club at the camp that they went to called the Wormleys. And they would get inside of their sleeping bags so they would look like worms. And then they would draw at this camp. And I was really excited to meet him because I heard stories about him all the time. And then they were like, we'll see if we can get you into this club. And I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be cool. So, um, you know, of course, you know, their cousin was like, yeah, sure. I don't don't care if if your friend's in here. And uh, we started drawing these, like, monsters and stuff they were called ghostlies and that's kind of what got me started and drawing just kind of hanging out with my friends and sitting and drawing these like weird characters um and coming up for I would always come up with stories for mine and then um I'd always been reading comics so a couple years later um Naruto came out in the U.S. and I started watching that on um the television segment Toonami on Cartoon Network. Okay. And that then I went to the bookstore and I saw that it was a comic and I got really excited. And uh, I started reading that. And that's kind of what made me realize like being a comics creator could be an actual job that people like adults have. I was like, whoa, this is cool. And uh like to this day, like I'm still like a very big fan of uh the creator uh, Musashi Kishimoto's work mm-hmm. and uh like kind of looking back some of the stuff that got me like really interested in him uh like he did this like floor plan of his apartment and I got really excited for it and looking back on it now I'm like oh this is someone that doesn't have time to take out the trash because there's trash everywhere that he drew and like isn't like sleeps um in his closet because he doesn't have like physical space for a bed and stuff like that so mm-hmm. 
um, yeah, I guess that's kind of what got me a little bit more interested in comics, if that, if that makes any sense at all. Oh, that's cool. That's different. Most people are like, they, you know, that's just interesting because like, that's a different story that I've heard yeah. from the other people who got into art. And I was curious because you have your bachelor's degree and then you mm -hmm. focused in sequential art for your, yes. your master's. What was your bachelor's degree in, Michael? So my bachelor's degree was, um, I got that from College of the Holy Cross up in uh, Worcester, Massachusetts, which is a Jesuit Catholic school. Um, and that was in studio art. So it was more of a fine arts background. I've always, like I said, I've always been interested in making comics, but uh, I didn't feel like art school was a, was the right choice. I wanted something that was a little bit more broad education wise. And then um, on top of that, I didn't even know that there were like classes that you could take for specifically like comic book making. Okay. Um, like up until I was thinking about coming to SCAD for my master's degree and I visited a friend that was taking a few classes here and I didn't even know that they had a sequential art degree until I bumped into a student that was like, he had like this, it was like a, uh, how would I describe it? I guess it was sort of like a three act structure written on the, on this whiteboard in one of the rooms. And it looked like something from like beautiful minds or something where it's like okay. all of these notes all over the place and like lines going to different parts. I was like, what are you doing? And he goes, Oh, this is for, for my sequential arts class. And I was like, they have that here. So it was, it was almost like a last minute, like realization that SCAD even offered <laughs> like comics classes. Wow. But it kind of came full circle, like yeah. to then pursue it for your MFA. It's such an mm -hmm. intense time of just creating and, mm -hmm. and growth in your career and your art development. So like, what do you feel like? I know I'm going off <laughs> Oh, that's fine. I, I, I was hoping this would be more of like a conversation. Yeah, that's the way I would like it to be. Because yeah. I think it's a little bit because you'll say something I'm like, oh, I need to ask that. So what kind of like as far as because I think it's really fascinating. Because you had a broad um, studio arts background. And so has that like benefited you that that initial gut, um, you know, feeling that you needed to go broad and then kind of specialize? Has that helped you in your developing as a sequential artist, you think? So it's it's sort of a mixed bag for me personally, okay. um, being someone that, you know, likes anime and manga. And if you if you look at my work, it's primarily like you can tell that that influence really like comes through on that. Um, a lot of the teachers from like high school through undergrad didn't fully understand what I was trying to do. Um, like, I remember my high school art teacher telling me not to do that's that sort of style that is so typical of anime and manga and focus on, you know, trying to do something else wasn't supportive, really, of comics mm -hmm. at all. And then um, most of my professors were fine with it. It was just one of those things where they, you know, like I said, they didn't really know, like, how to teach me. Uh -huh. So um, it like the undergrad and studio art definitely got gave me like a lot of experience with like materials. I think it gave me a pretty good foundation um, as far as like just art making and the art making process, like making sure, you know, the viewer's eye is being led in the right direction or, you know, like a little bit of color theory and things like that. 
Um, but for the most part, I had to kind of teach myself the materials that I wanted to use. Um, cause like no one was using like markers, for example, like I, I used Copic marker or used Copic markers in my work when I worked traditionally. Uh -huh. Um, so no one was using those. So I had to teach myself how to do that or, um, like I do digital, digital primarily now. And, um, a lot of that, um, started to have to be just self-taught because we didn't have a digital art teacher that drew. She, she was primarily, um, like digital media and like, um, like videos and things like that and like editing. So it wasn't, it wasn't like illustration. Okay. Yeah. So it was kind of a mixed bag. Like I, I definitely like, you know, I don't regret any of the time that I've spent on any of my work or any of my degrees or anything, but uh, it was definitely one of those things where if anything, the fact that they didn't understand uh -huh. what I was trying to do kind of solidified the fact that this is what I wanted to do because uh -huh. without any sort of structure and I don't want to say no support because they were supporting me. Yeah. Um, I, this is, I, you know, I was going out on my own and figuring out how to you know, do these different things with these different materials, like use brush pens and Copic markers and, you know, sit down and just kind of figure out how to do like graphic styles of illustration. So, yeah. Yeah, because I think that shows a lot of self-motivation, because if you don't have that structure to like push you, like graduate school, I feel like that provides a lot of very serious structure because there's yeah. just a lot to get done and in a short period of time. And um that served you probably really well for graduate school do you feel like that yeah with well yeah I I would say um my undergrad experience I I think is like I don't want to act like it's unique but um you know I feel like it's different from some people's because uh it was I moved 2,000 miles away <laughs> from where I grew up yeah and it was one of those things where I was on my own um, you know, my, I, I could call my parents and my sister yeah. eventually moved to New York so I could visit her. Okay. But uh, it was that and kind of, you know, I never had to like, I don't like, I, I don't think I was ever, you know, suffered from like a mental illness, but there was a lot of like anxiety going on and like having to deal with like learning how to be a student properly, which I didn't figure out until after <laughs> I finished <laughs> uh, my bachelor's degree when I, I did a little bit of um graphic design in between holy cross and scad okay and uh it was yeah it was one of those things where um like the undergrad experience was like i like it but i had a lot of learning to do and i was still learning but when i eventually graduated uh so yeah i, I don't know if that answers the question but, well, that's interesting i think yeah. it's fascinating i mean everybody's you know background and what they're doing mm -hmm. i think even if like I went to SCAD for my undergrad and my MFA, like, but there was okay. such a huge span of time. Like it was like mm -hmm. 20 some years in between. So there's like the program, there are like none of the same people there, you know, teaching. It's just a very different experience. And I was, I'm a different human being than 20 some yeah. years ago. So, but like with your MFA in sequential art, did you find it um, a lot more freeing? Because then you could kind of like focus in on your stories and your, your characters and yeah, I would say, and like, you know, I'm not trying to diss any of my old yeah. teachers or professors, but it's kind of, it was the first time where, um, 
the people that were teaching me knew exactly what I was trying to do. You know, I could say, you know, oh, I'm trying to, you know, just to use Masashi Kishimoto as an example, it's like, oh, I'm trying to do something like uh, Kishimoto does. And they'd be like, oh, okay, then you want to do like, then do like, look at these people do X, Y, and Z, like figure this out. And it's not, oh, I'm trying to do like, you know, manga. And they're like, well, I don't know anything about manga, so I can't help you. Um, so that was one of the biggest things about like going to SCAD that I, I like I loved and doing just like a sequential art program because um, like I had one professor look at my work and he was like oh you need to look at Akira Toriyama the guy that does um, like Dragon Ball oh. and um, I never really looked at his work not that you know he wasn't on my radar it's just mm -hmm. Dragon Ball never interested me and then I, I started looking at it and I was like he is a phenomenal artist oh and started bringing in some of those in, um, influences into like how I draw things like uh, like mechanical objects and stuff because he's an incredible mechanical designer. Oh, wow, that's fantastic. Because I think nowadays it's fairly, I mean, it seems like to me it's much more mainstream with everything that the just digital media and everything like that. My When I was teaching high school, my high school students love the same things that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, there. So I feel like the the uh, awareness and also the broadness of you know um, where comics can go to. It's mm -hmm. yeah, it's pretty amazing, and all the cultural influences. Yeah, this, yeah, yeah. So how did you know like which story? Because I think as a storyteller, how do you know which story was the one that you wanted to focus on for your thesis, this melon cat? So. I had gone through a lot of different stories throughout my time um, at SCAD mm -hmm. and like even before that um, my senior year of my undergrad I came up with this idea I, I wanted it I didn't really know what I wanted it to be but I called it Bushido Paradise uh -huh. and I really like the genre of like cyberpunk and just like science fiction genres a lot okay so I wanted to bring in my love of that mixed with um, like my interest in like Japanese culture. And I had been taking like a few, cause I considered doing like um, an East Asian studies, uh, like major minor. Cool. So I had taken a few classes um, about like the history of D Japan. Wow. And um, the idea was to combine like that cyberpunk sci-fi with feudal Japan and Japanese folklore. And I originally wanted that to be, you know, like a story or a game. And then I graduated mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, well, like, let me do something else based off of my experiences in college. So I had a story thrown together for that. And then a few years later, I came to SCAD and I was like, let me try to fit, see if these like fit properly. Mm -hmm. um, so the one based off of my experiences um, in undergraduate was called Roomies and it was based around um, my experiences being in an apartment with three friends and we had to like share rooms and stuff and the one that I shared rooms with was essentially nocturnal so I wasn't getting much sleep you know there was like all this stuff going on like uh like with my mental and emotional state <laughs> uh, because you know it's like senior year you're trying to graduate but also like you want to have fun uh we were definitely partying too much so like that was a big factor in all of that as well so it was it was about this 
he he was like a little ghost that had to move into um his friend's apartment after breaking up with his girlfriend mm-hmm. and it was just about like them living together mm-hmm. and you know you love your friends and like I love all my, like these guys like they're my like they're my brothers I consider them family but you know I was we, by the end of that year I was we were kind of at each other's throats a little bit mm-hmm. um and it's learning how to live with yourself as well as like other people and kind of having to find that balance between the two. Um, and then, so I did that one. I'm kind of getting sidetracked. I'm sorry. Oh no, but, it's okay. It's cool. But, uh, I did that one. That was my first like COVID project. Cause I started school, um, fall of 2019. Okay. So I had two quarters at SCAD before, um, uh, COVID started. Oh. So roomies was like the first project I did where I was like, I feel like confident in this work. Okay. And then I think like a lo- like the next quarter or so I did some stuff with Bushido Paradise and I turned it into sort of a detective noir story about the main character was like a Tanuki that, um, like finds out like he's like uncovering this like huge conspiracy with this gang that he was formerly in and like he had all this like history with like weird military stuff and uh I I can't I don't know if I ever got like a good log line for that one (laughs) just because the story was kind of convoluted and complicated um but I did both of those stories at SCAD and they never really felt quite right um roomies was like personal but I was in a very different like mental and like even physical place I was writing it when I, while I was living in Rhode Island oh and um and it's not that it didn't feel right but um I needed to find something that fit a little bit better for where I am now um mm-hmm. and my friend and I kind of came up with melon cat um there's this like picture of a cat eating a watermelon on the internet Uh and then it's like you see the picture of the cat and it's eating the watermelon and then the next picture is someone has grabbed the cat and turned it over and it's just face is red and it looks like really goofy and I die laughing at it anytime I see it and my friend was like hey you should do come up with a character called and just call it melon cat and I was writing down ideas and melon cat was one of them and I wrote down like mecha luchadors or something next to it oh. and I was like oh that sounds really cool um and then kind of going through stuff on like I started doing like stuff on Pinterest and I looked through my likes on that and I was like oh I just want to do like a shonen battle manga that where the story only facilitates like mm-hmm. fighting and like having cool characters and like doing cool poses yeah and um, that's how Melon Cat came about. And I, I wrote that for my thesis, um, did 20 pages. Wow. And then uh, I've now started printing it and selling it, selling it at conventions. And it's oh. on, it's one of, it's, I mean, I, it's my only book that I have right now, but out of yeah. the products that I have lined up, it's yeah. one of my best sellers and people always seem to be really drawn to it. Um, and just so... I guess the listeners can know what it's about. It's about a girl that joins an exosuit fighting tournament in order to punch her absent father in the face. So 
um you know i feel like that kind of resonates with you know like this teenage fight against authority and mm -hmm. like having to kind you know the whole arc of the story is her kind of learning like oh i don't have to punch my dad in the face to be yeah. happy mm -hmm. um she does eventually but uh you know it, it's sort of that like teenage angst that i feel like everybody kind of has and yeah <laughs> Oh, yeah, definitely. So basically, you've been, you know, entrepreneurial aspects of the comic um, business. You're, you're selling them yourself at conventions. So that fascinates me again, because I'm like, oh, so like, so you're doing everything from the writing, the drawing, because I know sometimes with comics, some people will have a partner who will do the coloring or whatever and split up the work. So you're doing it all, Michael, by yourself? Yeah, for right now I am. Um, like after Melancat, uh, mm -hmm. I kind of I've kind of pumped the brakes on Melancat for now because okay. it is like a very intensive process to do all of that. And um, I've done a story with like one of my friends as the writer. Um, okay. Because I kind of just want to sit and draw sometimes and not really have to think up a story. So I asked mm -hmm. him if he'd be interested, and we did that and submitted it to. It's actually on Kickstarter right now um cool. it's uh leo mancini's uh corrupting the youth oh. and um it's called crux crixley and he teaches you how to take care of a baby but he thinks that the baby is a changeling so he's actually teaching you how to like test for test whether or not the baby is a changeling oh um and yeah like uh yeah i i mean kind of going back to the question i guess um the the like doing the art and writing and everything for myself like with melancat is to me like super rewarding um like i said i've probably just gotten sort of a romanticized version of it um you know not being in japan but a lot of manga creators when they're first starting out are kind of the ones that do everything um they're writing they're illustrating um every, they, they do it all and then it's not until they pick get picked up by a larger studio mm -hmm. or a publisher that they uh actually get assistance to help out mm -hmm. and i've kind of gone up you know with that mindset of if i ever get picked up that'll be my thing but if i don't i'm still gonna be like this is something i've always wanted to do so you know i might as well learn how to do everything because as of right now, I'm the only one, <laughs> one that I can afford to pay to, uh -huh. to do it all. <laughs> yeah, I understand it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I sympathize. I mean, as a children's book author illustrator, and because I ventured into authoring with uh, my, my thesis, it is such a marathon. I feel like mm -hmm. it's not a sprint and you're, and it's like, I'm, basically working with my agent to make something that will hopefully go out and maybe it will find mm -hmm. a buyer but yeah it's um as far as a lot of that it's um yeah there it's just me and and luckily I have a very um wonderful critique groups that help out to like get second set of eyes on things and mm -hmm. as well as my agent but have you found it helpful like um do you have like people look at sample pages or the writing or like, that's another thing. Is your writing like fully fleshed out? Cause I always wonder if with people who do both, do you wait until the writing is like perfect, then go into drawing and planning out things visually? 
Yeah. So usually the way that I do it, yeah, it's like it kind of depends on my mood. Um, sometimes I'll write out a script just because, or you know, like even do like a long form type, you know, paragraph by paragraph type thing. Oh. Um, just because some days it's easier to do that, and I don't have to worry about like, oh well, how does this character look in this panel? I can just be like, and they're like striking a cool pose as they like punch this guy or you know like they they they're falling from this thing and it's you know cool looking and usually that's what I write for myself like okay. make it look cool okay. if I do like a script um just because then I can be like oh well, I don't have to do like this three-point perspective shot of them falling and like blah 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 it's just yeah. make it look cool like I, tr uh -huh. I, I trust my artist I guess yeah. <laughs> um but the uh the way that I usually do things uh -huh. is I kind of thumbnail the pages as I uh, write. Oh, okay. Um, because I'm a I'm a very visual person. So like as I'm writing, I um I'm like, okay, well, here's the page. I need to divide it into panels. And I usually sit and kind of stare off into <laughs> into the space <laughs> for a minute. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, so this is gonna have four panels. This first panel is gonna be an establishing shot of like the city. And then it's like gonna zoom in on our main character. And then it's gonna pop over to the character that he's talking to on the phone. And then it's gonna be the, a similar shot of the character that he's talking to, but his like earpiece is gonna be popping out of his ear and you hear this big crash sound effect okay. coming out of that. So like something just happened and then that would be a page. And then I would come in, um, and like, while I'm doing all of that, I'm thinking of the conversation that they're having and kind of writing that off to the side. Like, um, I'm actually describing the first page of Beat City Riot. And it's oh, like, okay. he's complaining to his friend about like having to do delivery jobs all the time. Mm -hmm. And he's like sitting on this like sign that's like way up high in the, in the city. And he's kind of just like, Oh, and that first panel and then you know second panel is usually like a sentence or two and then oh, so on and so forth and it's a I feel like it's a very messy way of doing things uh -huh. but I prefer doing it that way just because yeah. um especially in thumbnail and writing stages yeah. I kind of consider that like that's the messy part uh -huh. of like just get my ideas out I can always change them later um and then usually after doing all the thumbnails for the pages I sit down and I read it a couple of times to see if it even makes sense yeah. um yeah do you have to like are there certain rules as far as with the panels do you have to have so many like to make it sequential I guess I go I don't know enough about it but I'll go like because I go like you know like are are there certain rules for for comics that you kind um, of adhere to or no there's really no rules depending so on there are rules but just like anything in art they're kind of yeah. guidelines more than rules um and they're more that way because for like readability I would um, say well. so like um, there, there's one, and this one's difficult to even like break most okay. of the time for people, like, like most of the time people don't break it, but it's called the 180 rule. And oh. it has to do with, um, the placement of a, like the camera and the scene. Oh. 
So like if you have two characters and one is on the left and one's on the right, uh-huh. make sure that they're always on that side. So if character A is always on the left, he always needs to be on the left. Uh-huh. And if character B is always on the right, he always needs to be on the right. Um, that being said, there are ways to break that. Um, like you can do, I, I think it's called like a tracking shot in film where you kind of have them centered uh-huh. and the camera slowly moves around them and then by the time you've made it to the other side you haven't really realized that you're there okay or it's kind of established that they've switched sides okay it's it's little things like that and like i said they're guidelines that you can break them uh-huh. um but it's more for readability mm-hmm. um like the way that you kind of stack panels you need to make sure that things are being like are still readable which is one like I said one reason why I kind of go through the thumbnails multiple times to make sure you know the sentences kind of make sense and the like I'll place word balloons in my in my thumbnails as well to make sure that um you know like your eye kind of flows through the page properly and it's like oh well if I put this word balloon here then I immediately want to jump down to that and I'm not seeing you know, this other panel that I have that's uh-huh. explaining something in the previous panel. Oh, cool. So I think of it almost like a like a puzzle, uh-huh. I guess. Yeah. And, you know, you want this thing to happen by the end of the page. So you kind of have to fit your pieces together in a way that makes sense to get there. Oh, cool. Thank you for explaining that. No, I appreciate yeah. that because it's like, I, and I think now once you explain the the 180 rule, I, I have heard that one before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did, I forgot. But also like with, I don't know, there's just the one <laughs> thing in like children's books, like you can't, don't put text, like if you've already gone, because we read right to left at the, mm-hmm. or left to right, right left to right i'm sorry yes. left to right <laughs> i didn't think about it. left to right so you can't go back into the the way the words flow because then people miss that because if mm-hmm. you try to go back it just it's awkward for the way the yeah. processes it so i don't know it's really interesting no it's fascinating to me because um i definitely people who work on sequential art comics i mean it is um you have you're very skilled at not only the drawing but the storytelling and then how it all plays out because like I might have maybe three on a page but you guys might have six eight whatever on a page of images and it's it's like whoa that's a lot it's like I think it pushes like somebody to like you just get very skilled probably very fast because you have to crank out a lot of images and see how that works yeah, no, the um I remember the very first comic that I ever did was in was an undergrad. Um it was the first like page format comics that I wanted to do. And I thought I was like, it's five it's it was a five page comic for like a life drawing class or something, wow. a figure drawing class. And I thought that I could do it in a night. Cause I, oh. I, I procrastinated and I was okay. like, Oh, it's, it's five pages. It won't take me that long. And I stayed up all night. I worked on it. I think oh. it was something like 15 hours straight uh-huh. um, to get it done for class. Wow. Um, I mean, I miss being able to do that. I was like 19 years old and oh. <laughs> I, was, I was just like, I can do this. Uh-huh. Um, and then on top of that, I was coming down with like a cold uh-huh whoa so I go into and I went into the critique 
and uh-huh. like right before the critique I had I was using India ink uh-huh. and I had tried to erase something and I like swiped my hand across oh. it and uh it smeared and oh. that was probably the roughest critique I've ever had to um sit through um uh-huh. it was very eye-opening as far as like comics and stuff go because I, I didn't realize how much drawing it was yeah. um and yeah, the uh, the professor didn't didn't like any of my work from that from that oh. <laughs> semester, and then I was just I was just too tired and sick to really like fully grasp what was going on. Yeah. But afterwards, I got Panera and I drank some Nyquil and went to sleep <laughs> for like twelve hours or so. <laughs> so wow. Um, yeah, I've definitely not entirely learned my lesson <laughs> with with the time management. But uh, yeah, no, it, I mean, the amount of drawing yeah. is, you know, we're all, we're all artists. So, yeah. um, you know, it's one of those things where it's something that we all love. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm not trying and I'm not doing my best not to shortcut, you know, it's like, I oh, do I need to draw this background? And I'm like, yeah, I need to draw the background. I'll go ahead and do that now. Yeah. I'll put some details in there and take my time. But uh yeah i mean i i i I would if you want to get better at drawing do comics because that'll that'll make you that'll make you level up because i look at people the consistency that you guys have from panel to panel you guys push all the perspective and all the other things that you're dealing with and then the storytelling so I um I al- applaud anybody who goes into that direction. I myself am kind of I'm tempted because I see the work and I go like, oh, this is really neat. This is really cool, but I don't I I'm un- intimidated by it because it's it is um impressive. Yeah, I I mean yeah. um starting starting Beat City Riot it was the first uh-huh. it's the first comic. Well, I, I can't say that because I did Crux Crixley, but um, uh-huh. it's like my first personal project that I've done since uh, since graduating uh-huh. in Ma- March, I think, uh-huh. March-ish. And um, it's, it was like, even now, like I'm putting off the last two, pa- I have a panel and then like a half splash that I already, like I have those two uh-huh. things sketched out and I'm putting them off because I'm like, like the the panel is going to be like a three point perspective shot and like all of this like a lot of like perspective stuff going on which is fun to draw but it's very like intimidating yeah and then um yeah and then the last shot is a shot of the city which always takes a really long time to to sit down and do and it it, I mean I don't think it's ever not going to be intimidating to sit down and try to tackle something like that but it's awesome that you keep pushing yourself Michael I bet you it's like when you you look back when you finish it you'll be like oh my gosh this is so much better than what I did you know even from graduate school because like I've noticed Mm -hmm. that with myself I'll be like oh I've redone this like the 10th time for my um my thesis project because it's something that I do want to see published and I go like oh this is the 10th one uh storyboard dummy and I go like oh, this is so much better. I was like, I don't know. It's like, oh, I think I'm, I don't know. It's that repetition. I always tell students, it's like a lot of it is um, muscle memory. It's because you've done it so many times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you go like, I think I've pounded into my brain. And now it knows like, this is going to work or this is not going to work. Um, 
Yeah. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, yeah, but I always that. find it really funny when I start a project. Uh-huh. Um, I draw a character one way, and then by the end of it, I the character's still the same character and they look the same, but you can tell I've figured it out. <laughs> like it's a lot less detailed. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I'm like, oh, I can shortcut, you know, their like sleeve or whatever. Yes. <laughs> yes. Even with the children's book, I was like, oh, do I really need like I this last one? I found like like I don't need all these details. And so I've like simplified, but it makes it so much easier to do mm-hmm. the consistency and I don't know. It's one of those things like people can tell you all day that, oh, that you need to do this or whoever's teaching you, but then you have to actually do it. (laughs) And then you're like, oh, I get it now. But it's fantastic that you're, you're got another, you know, comic almost done. And that, and then are you um, like sourcing the printing? Like you have a certain vendor that you like to use as far as the printing and how do you like Um, estimate all that for cost and so (laughs) i am horrible with money when it comes to anything um i I, like budgeting is not my strong suit um my my girlfriend is the one that does a lot of the she'll be like hey like stuff is coming up like you know like rent or something and she's like hey just so you know like we have to pay rent and i'm like okay i'll i'll save my next paycheck type thing Uh um but as far as as like printing stuff goes um so to use melon cat as an example um i use comics wellspring um which is part of i believe greco printing okay cool. um just to like plug them because they're they've been like a fantastic company for me oh, awesome. um and uh they like they're pretty cheap I usually get something like 50 comics at a time from them because I do small okay. print runs of it. And it usually turns out to be whatever, whatever, two, $2.50, like okay. $2.50 per comic is okay. times 50. Okay. Um, not great at math, so I can't, oh, no, I can't me tell. Neither. I think that I think it's about like roughly like one hundred fifty dollars for oh, fifty comics. That's awesome. Um, give or take a little below that, I guess. Um, and it's just one of those things where, like, as far as pricing and stuff goes, you know, if it's a two two dollar and fifty cent comic, I'm charging five dollars because my idea, my thought process is I want to pay for that comic, uh-huh. and then the next one that I buy. Uh, um and that's kind of the approach that I've taken and especially since I'm trying to establish myself as an independent creator it makes it really easy to sit down at a convention and while talking to someone about my book be like oh and if like if you're interested in getting it it's five dollars yeah and five dollars at like a any type of convention or anime (laughs) like a comic convention anime convention like you name it five dollars you say five dollars to someone for a book and they're like oh hold on like it's only five bucks here like I was planning on spending money like take it and um it's it's been like because of that I've been able to sell like a lot get them in a lot of people's hands I use them as um essentially business cards too oh cool um I think I, I listened to another podcast called Comic Lab as well. I'm just going to plug all of my favorite. Oh, no, it's okay. Hey, I'm interested. Today. I listen to podcasts. I'm always yeah. looking for more. So that's awesome. Um, And I think it was them or it was like someone online, but they were like, nothing impresses an editor more 
than having a finished comic. Okay. So, you know, if I go to a convention and I see an editor that I want to give something to, or even like other artists, yeah. I'll grab, my, you know, if I'm not tabling, I have my comics in my bag and I pull it out and I'm like, hey, here, you want one? Oh. And um, usually they flip through and they're like, wait, like you, this is yours. You've done all of this. And I was like, yeah, like I wrote it and I did the art. Like oh. I, I was the one that like I did the cover. Um and like from experience like that does typically impress people mm -hmm. um if you have like a physical book to just hand out yeah so I don't know I for as far as books go I don't I don't budget for those very well because because of that you know I'm giving them away for free or you know sitting down at my table and selling them for as cheap as I can just so that people can get their hands on them because I think at the end of the day, you never know. It's like what you made and it goes out into the world and you're just kind of like, I don't know. I had an illustrator who told me it's like um, casting seeds out and some mm -hmm. of them will take root and they will grow and mm -hmm. you never know who, who could see it. So I think yeah. that's fantastic. And yeah. it's a leap of faith. I tell people like if you're going to go into a certain type of if you're it's different like i've done in-house and stuff like that and that is it's it's just nice to get that regular paycheck but if you choose mm -hmm. to go in this other avenue of the arts where you're the creator and you are basically doing all of it um learning to have small print runs which is very good advice mm -hmm. no one wants to get stuck with two thousand of anything in their home yeah. because that takes up a lot of space <laughs> yeah and like i don't know just um learning and, and I, there you know you'll make mistakes but you move on from them and then you just do it better the next time you do it mm -hmm. so yeah and I think I truly believe I do every time I've met somebody and I hand them something physically that I have made that is generally fairly sizable they're usually mm -hmm. pretty impressed by it because they're just like whoa you did like like you said they're always you're doing like, it yeah you did this and you're like yeah, I did. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like, so it's kind of, it's great to see their um, reaction to it. So mm -hmm. in person, and I think that's awesome because you said that conventions have started coming back in, in person and things yeah. like that. And has there been a good turnout? You feel like? Um, I've to been before? to, I've been to a handful of conventions this year. Um, <laughs> Scat does a like mini comic con. Oh, really? Um, yeah, they do it twice a year. Um, oh. They did it and I want to say May uh -huh. and there, there's another one coming up so if you have like I think the requirement is to have like essentially like one quote-unquote book or mini comic uh -huh. so if you have anything you can you can apply um it's free to table it's limited seats but um so there's like you know people look through the the um application list and kind of just pick uh -huh. um and i think you know it's one of those things where i think students kind of get first dibs or you know students and alumni get first yeah. dibs yeah but uh, i did that and i had a very good or very profitable um uh convention there um that was a great turnout um and then i did heroes con and um i think it was Char charlotte north carolina oh, wow. <laughs> Um, I went with SCAD with that uh -huh. one, um, awesome. and my friend and I noticed that we weren't making great sales at the SCAD table, so uh -huh. we kind of like went over to an empty table and put our stuff down, Awesome. <clears throat> and there was a great turnout there. Um, we didn't have like a great time, but I was busy. I mean, like we had a good time, but um, <laughs> it wasn't like 
profitable quote unquote yeah. okay um but it's always a gamble when it comes to tabling at a convention you can't all like you don't go to make money you kind of go to like advertise and talk yeah. to people um but then I'm trying to think I went to an anime convention just to attend and that was like a pretty fun turnout that was Bold Matsuri oh. down in uh Jacksonville Florida really uh, mm-hmm. fascinating I just yeah. didn't know like where do you find these Michael because you're in the inner <laughs> in their inner network of things like where can the average person like who's interested because um, like, I don't, I don't want to necessarily table but I would love to just see the work yeah, like I yeah. would love to just oh let me go check out this comic artist or let me go see what what the cool people are doing yeah. so <laughs> you can honestly just google yeah. like comic conventions you know oh, near me or like comic oh. conventions in the u.s anime conventions okay. in the u.s and um for the most i can't remember the name of the website but there's a okay. website with like this huge list of conventions oh. and um i went i went to that and i just started scrolling oh. through and started applying to conventions um and I didn't hear back from a lot of them. Um, I got like outright denied by others. And then I think the the anime convention I went to in Jacksonville, I actually got kind of accepted to, but those plans fell through um, just because I would have had to pay, I think, five times as much for a booth space rather than a table. Okay. And um, the friend, you know, it was just like trouble getting the money together. So okay. um, it just like ultimately wasn't worth it. But uh, yeah, it's it's a big part of just kind of like Googling a little bit. And then also like I'm very fortunate, like Savannah has like a pretty good um, like comics uh, community. Oh. It's like pretty like tightly knit together, I would say. Oh, I didn't know that. And everybody kind of knows each other. Uh-huh. Um, to do another plug, um, White Whale uh, Brewing in Savannah does uh-huh. a drink and draw every other Wednesday. Ooh. And, um, like I've met a a ton of people through that. Um, I use that to just like, also just get out of the house and work. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and that's also a place where I get feedback on my comics. Um, cause I've gotten to be, to be friends with the guy that runs it. Uh, his name's Jamie Jones. Um, he does a comic called the baboon. It's a very good comic. And, um, you know, I show him pages every now and then, and he'll give me feedback and, you know, yeah <laughs> it's, awesome. it's nice that's so cool that is so neat because I'm like um I just thought I was aware it's so funny because like sequential art and illustration were in the same building together and I kind of ran into the same thing you did like yeah. the bulk of my education experience for my graduate degree was online virtual mm-hmm. so like I kind of missed that you know in person just meeting people like those moments when you go over and just chat with somebody about what they're mm-hmm. working on and like, how did you do that? Can you show me how you did that? That'd be really cool. You know, those kind of moments, I feel like, um, kind of get lost a little bit. Yeah. We I were all to... like, yeah, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. sorry. No, it was like us in the Brady bunch, you know, you're like, <laughs> and, and the poor person who's teaching it, you got like, probably like, you know, all these, you know, at you at one time, which I had, uh, you know, you know, being a teacher, you know, you miss that. I think I would think you would miss that one-on-one time that you get with people yeah I I mean I I kind of had to artifact like not artificially but I had to make some of what you're talking about for myself um I became really close with uh Rashad Doucette the uh he's one of the sequential art professors okay um 
and it turned like he and I would I would go in and I think the first time I went in I was like Rashad you're like the coloring guy I don't know like anything about like coloring digitally like show me what you got and I would just go into his office hours and hang out and 90% of the time it'd be like how did how do you do this what brush did you use can can I get that from you and then he would send me stuff and then we would sit and talk about like love lovecraft county or like whatever we're watching or some new anime that came out or you know like a manga that you know we're reading and um yeah it was it was really fun like uh it's funny because we'll like see each other and it's like we'll be like we haven't like been on zoom in a long time like come on what, what's going on but uh, he, he's got like books and like he, he's got a, I don't even think she's a year old baby yet. So, oh, wow. so uh, you know, he's, he's busy. So I understand why, but Rashad, if you're listening to this, we need to hang out. <laughs> well, I just think it's fascinating that, well, you know, the whole sequential art world, like what you guys do. And like, as I've been reading more of like graphic novels for young readers, it's like, I don't know. Maybe you'll give me some courage, Michael. And <laughs> maybe you try well, to do so. some panel work and like maybe I could do it. I'll have to I'm gonna have to order some of your comics so I can see how you yeah. how you broke up the pages. You just like send that. me a message on Instagram and I'll send them to you. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, because um I I would love to have it. Do you do signed copies? Do you yeah, sign of course. them? Awesome. I can sign them for you, of course. Awesome. Because I love to have the signed ones. Like, I don't know. I'm kind of like, like because the things that you get signed by the artist, there's always that story. And then I, I you know, I have a small collection of things that are signed by the artists or mm-hmm. the author artists. And then I just maybe, I know it's cheesy, but maybe one day I'll pass them on to my son and he'll yeah. read them to his kids. You know, I always think that's like those kind of, because there's always that story. Not only that, mm-hmm. the story that the, that you wrote, yeah. that I, hey, I knew Michael. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, It's like mom, that like little yeah. memory or something, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I love getting things signed and stuff yeah. like that, but yeah, I definitely, um, hit hit you up for that and yeah, oh for sure. and for those who are listening who want to order the comic and also check out your um your fundraising for the one that you mentioned and then also um yeah how they can support that where can they go to see your work and learn more about it so right now um i have melon cat on both webtoons and tapas um so if you just search melon cat on that you should be able to find it um and then as far as like my other work yeah um it is um at um cash machine c-a-s-h underscore m-a-s-h-e-e-n um those are that's uh for my instagram my twitter and then i have a new grounds that i post to as well um and yeah, those are those. That's probably where you'll find me. I don't post as much as I should, but um, once I get up, you know, this last this is my last planned convention for a while. So, uh-huh. um, I plan on taking the next couple months to like redo my website and uh, uh-huh. like kind of lean into my social media presence a little bit more. So, awesome. um, as of right now, there's there's not a ton of going on, but um, it's primarily because I've been working working on this book. So. Yeah, that's a good thing. You got to work on it to have something yeah. to focus. That's what <laughs> yeah. I found. I was like, 
man, I gotta, I gotta have some stuff to post. But I also, and I'm so sorry, I forgot a question and I really want to hear the know. answer to this one. If you could go back in time, Michael, and give yourself advice about this art journey that you've chosen to take, especially as an entrepreneur and like telling your stories and getting them out there, what would you tell your younger self? And you sent, you sent, this was the one question that you sent me, um, the other day where I was like, I don't know what I would tell myself. Cause there's a lot that I would want to say, mm -hmm. um, as far as like a tip, I would probably just be like, draw more, <laughs> um, like again, to, to use something that they say on comic lab a lot. Um, it's hard to get worse at something that you're doing every day. Um, um so like drawing every day or just you know like even doodling or something every day like it's gonna be hard to get worse at drawing if you're doing something like that um and so it'd probably just be like make more comics and draw more um because that was the the biggest learning curve i think when i when i started um like really trying to do comics it's you know you you don't realize how much time it takes you know it's uh like speed is a big thing um like i've had to learn how to simplify a lot of stuff and just like pick pick up the pace with my process um and then as far as just like something that i would say to myself it would probably be like you're doing fine man like just <laughs> like, like take it easy like you're good um Cause like, like this is something that I've stressed out about before in my life and, you know, worried about, um, but I feel, I feel like, you know, I'm in a like nice, comfortable spot for, with my work right now. Awesome. Michael. Well, I appreciate you sharing all of your experience and your background and I'm super excited for where you take your work and, um, yeah, I'm glad we had class and I'm glad I ran into you at the, yeah, I know. Thank you store. so much for inviting yeah. me onto this. This was really fun. Um, oh, like I, this is, I think one of the only podcasts I've ever really been on. I was on one like a while back, but that was for something completely different. And, oh, okay. um, it was just like one that my friends was friends ran. So I appreciate you having me on. This was really fun. Oh, well, thanks Michael. And, oh, um, continued success and everybody, thank you for listening to my creative life. Bye.